0: I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for football season to start. Hopefully, football season starts. I got so prepped up. I have my Gale Middle School football shirt on. Like, I have no idea what the fall is going to look like. I'm really hoping we have football. I love hanging out with some of you. We have wings together. We do barbecue together. When there's college football on Saturday, and then some of you invite us over to do uh, the NFL on Sunday. So I, I look like I look forward to that. I look forward to coaching again. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I want to use the next story to hopefully illustrate kind of where we want to go over the next couple of weeks together. So, speaking of football, back in two thousand eighteen, you had Alabama and Georgia. These are conference rivals, and they end up playing the national championship game. So, when it comes to college, everybody knows Alabama, especially when it comes to college football. I know we have people representing the Pac ten or the Pac twelve, the Big Ten, the ACC. But when it comes to the SEC, we know that this is a rival when it comes to Alabama and Georgia. And so this was the, one of the most important halftime decisions a coach has ever made. Nick Saban tells his starting quarterback after Alabama is down 13 nothing at halftime, he tells his starting quarterback, who happens to be the conference offensive player of the year, and says to him, you're not starting the second half. Could you imagine how that conversation went? And then he goes to the backup quarterback who has hardly played any snaps, specifically any meaningful snaps. He says to him, you're starting the second half. Believe it or not, Alabama comes back and ties the game at the end of the fourth quarter. Then it goes into halftime, and this backup quarterback, to everyone else's chagrin if you're not an Alabama fan, Realizes that, man, Alabama won. They won their 17th national championship game. Can you believe it? What a call Nick Saban made. You might be wondering, like, what does this have to do with anything? Well, look, halftime is really important to football. It's really important. It's been said there are five moments that happen at halftime. You refuel. You recharge. You reflect. You assess, and then you adjust. And then somewhere in those five moments of a halftime, a coach gives an inspiring speech just like Nick Saban did. Somewhere in the mix, somewhere in one of those five moments is that inspiring speech. Look, halftime is really important in sports, but halftime is important in life. Look, we're in the middle of the year. We're in the middle of the year. We had our first half, And we're heading into our second half. It has not been the year that any of us would have predicted, planned, and hoped for. But this is the year that we are living in. And look, we had our first half. We are now approaching our second half. And here's what we want to do over the next couple of weeks. We believe that it's important that we take a few weeks to refuel, recharge, reflect, assess, and adjust so that we you and I, we're prepared for what God might have for us in the second half of the year. So that makes us, I mean, the, the first thing we have to do is we have to look at how our first half of the year went. And I don't know about you, but this is sort of how I'm wired. I'm a goal setter. I like to, to plan things out. I want to make sure that uh, I know where I'm going. So I, I have goals set out. I and mean, you may be like that, but here, here's what I know about all of us. We have expectations of how the year is going to go. We have expectations and for some of us, we make plans. For some of us, we dream. And most of us, we expect that that's going to happen within a week or two. We expect that change that we're hoping for, that we're praying for, that we're dreaming for, that we're planning for to take place. We expect to get fit in a week of three-hour workouts, you know we have in, in our mind who we want to look like. We have that picture, that model, or that actor, and, and that superhero. We want to we want to look like them, and we have it mapped up in our in our minds. We have it planned that man we're going to be like them in about three hours. It's crazy. Um, we didn't plan for those expenses. We didn't uh, we didn't plan for the day that we missed reading the Bible, and then it led to another day, then another day, then another day. See, we expected the feeling of of, of Like when we eat healthy, we expect that feeling to last and last and last, but it just didn't last. So we went back into our old ways of eating. I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I'll say this. I guess we can all agree with Mike Tyson. Yeah, I know. Believe it or not, Mike Tyson. But one thing I believe that we can agree with him on, this is the thing that he said I believe that you may agree with, and I know that I agree with. He says this, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Man, that is a true statement. Like, we all got punched in the mouth by this virus. None of us were expecting to go into our first half of the year with this virus. None of us expected that. Some of us, we lost our dreams. Our dreams got shattered. We lost our business. We lost some of our savings. For some of us, we are angry still. We are depressed. For some of us, we are starting back at the beginning of trying to pay off debt. This year has not gone the way that any of us would have predicted. But here's the encouragement. Here's what I'm hoping. Just take a moment to inspire you by. It's this. It's only halftime. It's only halftime. It's not too late to finish strong. It's not too late to finish faithful. It's not too late to to, to refuel, to refresh, to reflect, to assess, and to adjust. It's not too late to make a courageous call. You and I, we're in a moment now. We have that Nick Saban moment. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but we have this Nick Saban moment right now, you and I. And there is a courageous call that maybe you and I need to make so that we have a successful second half of the year. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm asking you to keep following along with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is where it's going to get really personal, because we cannot have any success apart from God. We really can't. So I'm hoping over the next few moments together that you and I will be able to find strength in God. We'll be able to rely on God's strength as we get into the second half of the year. So what I want to do is I want to pose four questions to challenge you and I to find strength in God. So before we do that, These questions are actually founded in a letter written to a group of Jewish Christians. Christians that have a Jewish background. And so this author of the letter called Hebrews had his letter circulated and then eventually copied among churches. And that letter ended up in our New Testament a couple hundred years later. And this is what he writes. Or imagine walking late into a halftime speech and this is sort of what we're doing we're walking the latter part of the letter this is what he writes therefore since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses that word witness is so so important because what he does is he gives examples of men and women who were dealt a punch in the mouth their dreams were crushed their plans were upended but man they were willing to get back up by God's strength. And so it might be good for us to go back and to listen in on who these people were. So we're going to go back. Now here's the thing to keep in mind as we begin to, to hear some of these people. Look, they were just a minor affection away from death. They were just one disagreement away from war. Imagine that living that way where we have all these comforts. But look, the thing that you and I can, can, can relate to them is this. All of these people live by faith, and you and I, we have an invitation to live by faith. We get up, we dust ourselves off, and we move forward under God's strength. That's what they did, and that's our invitation as well. So let's go back to Hebrews 11. He writes this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we can't see. So he defines what faith is. Look, we can do the same thing these witnesses did, through the strength and power of God. Notice what he adds. He says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. Remember, this is like like a halftime inspiring speech. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Wow, it's impossible to please God without faith. Some of us are wondering, how do we please God? Well, we please God by having faith. Having faith faith. So he begins to list out these people. He starts with Noah, and every time he brings up a character, he says, by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so. He says, by faith, Noah, and tells Noah's story. By faith, Abraham, and tells Abraham's story. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, Israel. By faith, Rahab? Yeah, Rahab. And I love that Rahab is part of this, because It shows you that when you take a step of faith, God will honor that. Rahab was part of Jesus' lineage. Yeah, yeah, Rahab was part of Jesus' lineage. Look, you may have a rough first half. You may have had a really bad first half. It's impossible to turn that around. Rahab would tell you, look, I did not start well. I did not start strong, but man, with God, I'm going to be able to finish strong. You might be asking, why are these names, why are these characters so important? Why is this hall of faith that we describe Hebrews 11, we call it the hall of faith, why is that important? Look, these are important names. These are important stories because you and I, we're just like our spiritual brothers and sisters. They're people just like you. They're people just like me. By faith, they got up after being punched in the mouth. By faith, they got up again and pushed ahead. By faith, they finished strong. See, I'm being cheered on by goats right now. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Look, after this big, inspiring speech to inspire his readers to move forward, he says this. Remember, back to Hebrews 12. Therefore, because of all the stories were heard, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So he mentions two things, weight and sin. These are related, but they're different. So the weights that slow us down, they're habits. all right. The weights that slow us down are habits. So let me ask you two questions. One what are some of the habits that are preventing me from being where I want to be at the second half of the year? So just ask yourself that question. That's a really personal question, but give yourself some time to ask that question. The second question is, what are the habits that are preventing me from doing this? What are the habits that are preventing me from doing this? Look, let's just be honest for a little bit. Um, There's some really bad habits that we need to stop cold turkey. One of those habits. I know for some of us, we're, we're trying to maybe shake off some weight, or maybe we're trying to shake off preventing diabetes, or or maybe we don't want to go to the bathroom two, three in the morning. Well, part of the the thing that will help is not eating ice cream at ten, eleven, twelve at night. That might be really good. Not, I know bluebell is amazing. It's really good, but look, cut it out. <laughs> don't 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 do it. Here's the other thing. Let's not text while we drive. That's a really bad habit. A- another bad habit is. We want to buy the next thing on Amazon because it looks amazing. Not that we need it, just because we want it, but yet we have all these other bills to pay. Like, what's... Like, those, are, those aren't good habits. And look, those habits can weigh us down from getting to where we need to be. Notice, he says weights, and then he also says sins. The sins that trip us up are our thoughts, The sins that trip us up are our thoughts. And I know for some of us, we have a background. We're thinking, okay, well, I thought the thought life wasn't sinful. Hang on for a sec. The meaning of the word sin means missing the mark. The mark would be the person that God wants you. He wants me to be for his glory and for your good and for my good. Okay, that's the the mark. When you miss that mark, it's sin. Now look, sin just isn't the action it actually starts in our minds. It's our thought life. Here, here's what I want to play. Jesus said this. Jesus said, look, and this is just one of the illustrations that he used. He said, look, if you think of a woman or you think of another person with lust, and you do that in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. No action was ever needed. The action actually happened as we thought through it in our mind. The same thing happens with anything else. We really have to guard our mind. See, our heart and our mind are only 18 inches apart, man, and they're really really connected. So we have to guard our thoughts. We have to guard our mind. It's really important, and this is one of the reasons why we encourage groups. We encourage you to get connected in a group, and here's why. Because you're able to share the things that you're struggling with emotionally, that emotional awareness, you're able to share that with other people. Like, have you ever given people the authority to come to you and say, I I think your online habits aren't where they need to be? Have you given someone the authority to come to you and say, I think you're drinking a little too much? I I think you're spending too much time with him or her, someone you're not married to? Have you given someone the authority to, to say to you, I'm concerned that you missed the last eight days of the Bible reading plan? Have you given someone the the authority to do that with you? Look, look this is, I'll be honest, this is incredibly uncomfortable. Because for us, we want to guard ourselves. We don't, we, don't, we don't want anyone to, I don't know, let's say, use it against us one day. For some of us, we have a, we have a fear that we're going to be betrayed. Look, for Jenny and I, we've been in ministry for a long time, and there have been plenty of people who have betrayed us along the way. But I want you to know that has not shot us away from being open to other people because here's, here's the deal. Our purpose in doing this is to become the person that God wants us to be. If per- people are going to betray you, that's between them and God, and they're going to have to deal with that. And hopefully the relationship will be made right. But I know that I need it for my own soul. So there are a group of pastors that I talk with every month that I'm able to share things that I'm really able to share with uh, because they're, they're in the same um, the same boat, the same profession as me. They deal with the same things that I deal with on a regular basis and they can relate in a way that really no one else can. So I'm able to unload on them and they unload on me and we're able to share that together. It's, a, it's actually a really beautiful i believe the thing that god wants us to do to make sure that we are emotionally intelligent so the author continues he says this let us run with endurance the race god has set before us we do this by keeping our eyes on jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith so this is a really important focus from the author like during the first half of the year How many of us kept our focus on social media? How many of us kept our focus on Netflix? You know, Tiger King. You know, how many of us kept our focus on those things? How about work? How about politics? How about the news? Look, over the last couple of weeks, it's been really difficult. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been very difficult. And I think for some of us, the news and politics has our attention more than anything else. Imagine if we spent less time with that and more time building our relationship with Jesus. Imagine what would happen. Our military friends have a saying. They say this, reduce your field of vision and you'll see more. Reduce your field of vision and you'll see more. And when it comes to faith, the author is helping us understand that we need to reduce our field of vision to Jesus instead of everything else going on. Reduce your field of vision and you'll see more. When we do that, I believe we are then inspired to live as Jesus lived. The author continues, he said, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I don't want you to miss this. If you tune me out because I got on the whole Tiger Key thing or you tune me out from the very beginning when I talked about Alabama, please, please listen. What Jesus saw wasn't the cross. He saw you. And he made his way to you by going through the cross, which allowed him to endure the pain that he endured. I want to say this again because I don't want you to miss this. What Jesus saw wasn't just the cross. He saw you. And he made his way to you by going through the cross, which allowed him to endure the pain of the cross. It's going to take some pain. It's going to take the courage to make an adjustment call. And I don't know what the thing you and I need to do. I don't know what the thing that you may need to do to stop cool turkey or, or change so that you experience What God wants you to experience. I don't know what that is. But I believe these four questions will help you. So out of what we read, there's four questions I don't want to pose to you. I want to ask you to ask yourself. Ask yourself these four questions today, this week. Ask yourself this. What habits are slowing me down that I need to change? What thoughts are tripping me up that I need to change? What joy would this bring me by the end of the year? How can I keep my eyes on Jesus? Those are the four questions I want you to ask. What habits are slowing me down that I need to change? What thoughts are tripping me up that I need to change? What joy would this change bring me by the end of the year? And then how can I keep my eyes on Jesus? Not only am I going to ask you to ask those questions and attempt to answer those questions, I'm also asking you to invite other people into in that process too. It might be your small group. It might be your spouse. It ought to be your spouse. Maybe it's with your parents. Or maybe you're helping your kids process this. Maybe a high school senior. Maybe those going into high school. Maybe those going to middle school. These are questions that... You may ask with your coworker or maybe with your team, or maybe you do those things, then also get along with God and say, "God, all right, these are the questions. I need to listen to you." And honestly, most importantly, the most important relationship, the most important person you need to ask is God about this. And I believe having people in your life will help you to discern that. So ask those questions. and next week we're going to look at one of the most important things that you and I have in our lives. Heavenly Father, we come wherever we are. Some of us are in living rooms. Some of us are up at the camp space watching together. And Father, what I'm asking you to do in this moment is help us have the courage to adjust the things that we need to adjust. Father, we have not lived on your strength. We have not lived by your strength. And we are and we haven't had much success. I'll be, I'll be honest. I know for me that, that's been the case. So Father, I'm asking that you will give us the faith to trust you. You will give us the faith to rely on your strength to see us through. Help us to rely on your strength as we make adjustments and we make changes as we go into the second half of the year thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your example to us. In Jesus' name, amen.